Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. sitting there thinking about so many churches we would pray and pray and pray for somebody to play the piano. <laughs> and in uh, several of the churches that we served in, we didn't have anyone who could play the piano, so I would you know, play the guitar and bring my guitar out. And I'd pray and pray and pray. And such an answer to prayer you are. Yes, indeed. But I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. As we continue studying the Sermon on the Mount, we've made our way through the fifth chapter, and now we're in the sixth chapter. And uh, if we have time, we'll look at the first 18 verses here in, in Matthew, chapter 6, and beginning at verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret or in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. 
For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in secret, in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let's pray, please. <clears throat> Father in heaven, as we study your word, we pray that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit to the honor of the Lord Jesus. We confess that we are sinners and that without you we are nothing. That without you we're lost. And we thank you, Father, that you loved us so that you sent your Son to die upon the cross, shedding his blood to pay the payment for our sin, that he rose again on the third day, that he ascended back to you where he sits in glory and honor, and one day will come again. We thank you for saving us. But for anyone here today who has never given their heart to the Lord Jesus as Savior, we pray today they'll come to know him as their loving, forgiving Lord and Savior. Speak to us now, Lord, from your holy word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And so here at this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus begins to teach the people concerning charitable giving or alms. In some versions, you have the word alms, which really refers to charitable uh, donations and, and gifts and, and help, as well as prayer and fasting. You don't hear much about fasting in Christian circles. We'll get to that uh, later on in the message. But first of all, notice that he says charitable deeds, and he uses the word when. So that implies that you'll be doing so. Not just, not just giving your tithe or your offerings in church, but also outside of church. Christians really should be the most giving of people. We should be the most generous of people. And we should follow the example 
of our Jewish brothers and sisters who are very generous, who give and who seek to help. I was impressed by, when I was working in, in the school district, one of the superintendents, Dr. Eddie Goldman, and his wife, Mrs. Goldman, they made a point of providing kids who, who they learned were from poorer families with funds for food and for clothing. And she, Mrs. Goldman, she ran this special drive and she would go from school to school to school to school to school throughout the entire Clark County School District. And I was very fortunate because uh, Dr. Goldman was my supervisor. And he would say, pray for me, Mike, pray for me. <laughs> and uh, he was such a, such a great, great man. But Jesus says here, that when we do these charitable things, we're not to sound a horn. In other words, we're not to blow our own trumpet. We're not to be boastful, <coughs> making sure that everybody knows. Now, it's, it's a great thing, you know, when celebrities and, uh, and millionaires and billionaires, etc., when they give millions and millions of dollars for these great causes. It's a great thing. It's a good thing. And that's between them and God. But is it necessary for everyone to know about it? No, it, it really isn't. Jesus said that whenever we do good, we ought to do it in secret. And the intent of our heart, the, the motive of our heart, should be to minister to that person in secret and thereby honor God. Jesus said when you do your good works, do them in such a way that you bring honor to God, not honor to self. God promises to reward those who, who honor him. And so, in Sunday school this morning, we, we made a comment about the current state, if you will, of church or churches or Christians in America. You know that many of our churches and many, many Christians in our churches think that Christianity is about entertainment. Now, I would rather that music be entertaining than be dull, okay? <laughs> right? But church and music is not to be about entertainment. And church itself is not to be about entertainment. And what you'll have in many churches on the stage, you have a small group called, these days they call them worship teams. And uh, fewer and fewer churches are having choirs. So what has happened is you have fewer people in churches being involved in the music ministry and it's becoming a specialized group with just a small worship team. Now I have a problem with that. Because it should be open to as many, right, as want to be involved. And it's not about entertainment. And it's not about getting up and showing off 
your musical talents, but rather praising and worshiping and adoring God. And, and ministering to God's people and drawing their hearts to Him in reverence and in love and in worship. And Jesus says when you, when you minister to other people, when you, when you help other people, don't brag about it. Say nothing at all about it. No fanfare. And if you do that, the Father will reward you openly. And when he says openly, he means not just in eternity. He means even right here in this life. Now, he, he goes on to, to prayer. And, and the prayer that we read there is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. But many believe that it would be more correctly titled the Disciples' Prayer. Because the prayer that Jesus prayed, he prayed many prayers. But the Lord's Prayer you find over in the Gospel of John, where he prays for himself, and then he prays for the disciples, and then he prays for us. Did you know that, that Jesus prayed for us? And he still prays for us. That's what the Bible, the Bible teaches. But prayer, prayer that pleases God, and every Christian has this tremendous privilege. Oh, what an awesome privilege it is to communicate with God. To spend time in prayer. Notice what he says here. Again, when you're praying, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets. Hmm that they may be seen by men. Now he says they, they get a reward. But the reward that they receive is the applause of men. You follow? The applause of men. If you want the applause of men, you, you can get applause. Oh, but we should desire the honor of God. The honor of God. Prayer that pleases God is private. And again, he uses that word when. So the implication is, is that God's people are going to be people who pray. If you're a Christian and you don't pray, I can guarantee you one thing, you're weak. You have a weak Christian life. Because there is power in prayer. And your relationship with God, that is the health of your relationship, is dependent upon prayer. You must be a praying Christian to live or manifest or experience a power-filled life, a spirit-filled life. You must pray. Now, again, boasting is wrong. Wrong motives, showing off, focusing on self. When we pray... Jesus says, pray this way. First of all, your prayer should be consistent with biblical truth. That's what we mean when we say content and doctrine. Not vain repetitions. You know what the cults do? Oh, oh, 
some of you and I say this I don't believe Christians should participate in yoga there are all kinds of other exercises you can do but yoga has its foundation in Hinduism and all of those positions and all the things that they say founded in Hinduism a false wicked evil religion shouldn't be involved in it you want to exercise do jumping jacks Sit-ups, push-ups. Say, well, I can't do that at my age. Well, find something else to do. But you don't have to be involved in yoga to do some stretching. They didn't, you know, they didn't invent stretching. You follow? Prayer. God's name is adored, honored, loved and respected. God's name is adored. We are to adore his name. And adore it enough that when you hear someone take the Lord's name in vain, you ask them to stop. You say, not do that. Now you don't have to be obnoxious about it, but you can just very, very politely say, I would appreciate it if you didn't take my loving Lord's name in vain. And they might look at you. But that honors God. God's name is to be adored, honored, loved, and respected when we pray. You know, some people, when they pray, they think that God is their errand boy. God is not our errand boy. Nor can you back God into a corner and demand. It, it really disturbs me when I hear people pray and they're demanding from God. We don't demand. As a matter of fact, the great, the great examples in the scripture, if you read their prayers, you will find that what they do is they worship God. They adore Him. And then... The next thing they do is confess. Confess their sin. Read the prayer of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 sometime. It's a model prayer. According to God's will. Now over in 1 John uh, chapter 5 verses 14 and 15, the scripture teaches that if we pray according to God's will, he hears us. And that we know, we can be confident that we will have the things that we ask for when we ask according to God's will. So what are some of those things that are according to God's will? Because he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, they, they do his will in heaven. It's down here where we have the real difficulty. But what is God's will? God's will, just like with that Sunday school lesson taught, is for God's people to share his message. And to live that message. Because we communicate not just with our words, but also with the very lives that we live. According to God's will. And then, 
prayer that pleases God acknowledges that God is our provider. He provides our daily bread. Now, we live in an age and time and in a country where our refrigerators are full of food. Our pantries are full of food. We even have, you know, food on the shelf that lasts for 25 years, right? The preppers, right? The doomsday preppers and, and you name it. We have a few of those tubs and they were given to us. We've got, we've got food for days, as they would say. And how about clothes? You probably have clothes for days. And I tease the ladies once again, they're talking about their, their shoes. They've got shoes for months. <laughs> Just for days. All right. But in this age in which Jesus was teaching this, they knew what it meant to be dependent upon God from day to day for their daily bread. And again, there in the wilderness, when the, when the Hebrews were in the wilderness wandering for, for 40 days. Now, remember, they were not lost. See, some people think that, that they, were, they were lost, didn't know their way. No, they, they were sentenced to spend 40 years in the wilderness because they refused to believe that God would deliver the promised land to them. So he required them to be in the wilderness for 40 years, and he fed them on a daily basis with bread that came from heaven, heavenly manna. And they had to go out each day, with the only exception, on the day prior to the Sabbath, they went out and they got two days' work so that they wouldn't have to do it on the Sabbath day for 40 years. But God, we acknowledge that God is our provider. And then prayer that manifests a forgiving and forgiven heart. You notice in those, those verses where Jesus says, if you refuse to forgive others, well, the Father is not going to forgive you. Now what is he talking about there? Turn over to that to that uh, next page, and then we'll, we'll turn back just a little bit, where it says, God rewards his children a forgiveness, salvation, and fellowship. He's talking not about eternal salvation here. He's talking about being in right relationship with God the Father, and in right relationship with others, as well in right relationship with self. We've mentioned before that you have at least three different types of relationships. You have a vertical one. You and God. Ah, but you have a horizontal one. You and others. And you also have a personal one. One that you have with yourself. And God's children have been forgiven. Jesus paid the price for our sin. We're eternally forgiven. And no one can take that away from us. But here in this life, we say some things, we do some things, we think some things that we shouldn't. Those things the Bible classifies as sin. And so we're, we're constantly asking God to forgive us and to cleanse us, are we not? Yes. Now, I mentioned a, a, a week or two ago that uh, if a person is a liberal, they need to repent. Well, if you're a conservative, you need to repent as well. Why? Because all people are sinners. 
What's good for one is good for the other. What is needed by one group is needed by the other group. Everyone needs to repent, and everyone needs to be willing and do forgive others. Because if you, if you don't forgive, then your, your heart is not right with God. Over in the, the epistle of John, he says, how can you say that you walk in the light, yet hate your brother, or hold a grudge against your brother? No. That's the way of the world. And you know, that's the way of many religions. This idea of vengeance, right? Revenge. Revenge. God says, no. You're to forgive. You're to forgive others just as I have forgiven you. And so, prayer, prayer that pleases God demonstrates a forgiving and forgiven heart. We'll go back here to, to the second point again. Prayer that seeks guidance and protection. Notice, deliver us from the evil. It's prayer that seeks God's direction, God's guidance. How does one become sensitive to God the Holy Spirit? You know, there are Christians who, who, who are unaware that God the Holy Spirit is living in their lives. And they wonder why they live a defeated Christian life. A sad, sorry Christian life. God is present in the believer. When we pray, we ought to ask God the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to reveal things to us, to help us to understand God's Word and to apply it and to empower us and to guide us and direct us and to help us. You know that you can actually witness to somebody and be praying at the same time? Yes, you can do that. God has enabled us to do that. Think about your body. When was the last time you told your heart to beat? Or when was the last time you told your lungs to take in the air that you breathe? Does it all on its own, right? That's the way God created it. You'd be amazed at the things that you can do. God has given you a tremendous brain. Tremendous brain. And as we, as we are involved in a particular task, we can ask God to help us in completing and fulfilling that task. And it also sees God's protection. It's not wrong to ask God for protection. Especially this age in which we live. And you don't know that if you share Christ with someone, how they might respond to you. Prayer that acknowledges God as sovereign and Lord over all creation. To him be the glory, right, and the power and the dominion. That's the kind of prayer that pleases God. And it's done in secret. In secret. He uses a hyperbole, you know, the cutting off of the hand, or not letting, not letting the hand, the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Right? He's, he's using an extreme picture there. The idea is, is secretive. 
alone with God. You need to spend time alone with God. Forgiveness, we mentioned that. Fasting. Moving on to fasting. Now fasting was down in the Old Testament times especially, and especially with respect to the Day of Atonement. Now why fast? And what is a fast? A fast is to go without something, but especially here in the scripture, it refers to going without food and drink sometimes for a specified period of time or perhaps for several days. Now, uh, this past week, I believe, the, 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 uh, the Jewish people celebrated Purim based on um, the events found in the book of Esther. And Esther, not just a, a, a beautiful, elegant woman outwardly, but one so beautiful inwardly and spiritually. And you'll recall, if you know the story, that, uh, that the king at the time, Ahasuerus, wanted to show off his, his wife's beauty. Vashti was her name, and she, she, she was not going to have any of that. So the other leader said, well, now, if you don't do something about this, then all the other ladies are going to hear, and they're going to start questioning the authority of their husband. So you need to do something. So what did he do? So he divorced her, and, and then... They came up with this idea of having a beauty pageant, basically, and parading all of these lovely ladies. Well, he was to choose one, and the one that he chose was Esther. Her name was really Hadassah. She was given the name Esther. She had been raised by her cousin, Mordecai, who took her in because both of her parents had died, and um, she was the daughter of his uncle. And so she was like a second, third cousin, etc. But he took her in as, as his own daughter, and he raised her. And she was presented, you know, before the king, and, and the king, out of all of these ladies, he selects her. And as time went on, there was this other guy, Haman. And uh, Hadassah's uncle, Mordecai, would not bow before Haman. Haman was this, this political figure. And he was like these guys who'd like to show off, you know. He liked it when people bowed down before him. But Mordecai wouldn't. And Mordecai is, is an example for us to follow. Yes. And I believe it was Menachem Begin who said, we bow to no one but God. That's who we bow to. So Mordecai wouldn't bow, and Haman became so angry that he got the king to make a decree that this certain group of people, see, he didn't come right out and tell him who it was, but he said this, this certain group of people who are different, that they're different, and they, they, don't, they don't respect our laws. He made this decree that they should be exterminated. The old, the young, the children, and the babies. I don't know if you, you realize that. 
And this was going to happen on a certain day at the end of the year in December. When Mordecai learned of this, the Bible says that he, he rent his, his clothing and he cried out and he sent word to Esther to do something about it. And she said, well, you know, I haven't been in the king's presence for a while. And you, you had to be summoned to come into the king's presence. You couldn't just, you know, take it upon yourself to go into the king's presence. That actually carried a death sentence. And he said, but you don't know, but perhaps you've come to this position in the kingdom for such a time as this. And so what does she do? I'm getting to this point now. <laughs> she called for the people to fast. To fast for three days. To not eat anything. To not drink anything. For three days. That's a long time. Asking for God's help to turn the situation around. And what happened? Well, God turned the situation around. You know the story. That's why they celebrate Purim. You know? And when they announce Mordecai's name, they, ah, they clap and they're very happy. And they, Haman's name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, just to give you a little bit more about that story, you know, Haman had set up these gallows because he was going to hang Mordecai. But God delivered Mordecai and Haman and his whole family. They ended up being hung on that thing. Or hanged, I should say, grammatically correctly. All right? Don't set out to destroy God's people. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Fasting, proper and improper motives. Well, I've got lots of passages here, examples of fasting. But fasting is the idea of abstaining from food as an internal desire to manifest and, and, and come before the Lord in the deepest of contrition and spiritual communion. And one should never tell someone else, well, I'm fasting today. As soon as you've done that, you might as well start eating because you've loaded it. You see, what had happened was by, by the time Jesus came around, the Pharisees had added two fasts per week. They would fast on Monday and Thursday. You remember the, the Pharisee praying? Lord, I'm so grateful that you didn't make me like that tax collector over there. I do this and this and this, and I fast, he says, twice a week. They had put a burden on themselves that God did not require. And you know, uh, people will say, well, we all need to fast. No, you don't. If, if the Lord leads you to fast, then you should fast. But not because some guy said that you ought to you know, enter in and fast. You follow? It's a personal thing. The fasting is going without food. Now notice the heart attitude and the motive to be sincere. Now in the case of Esther, they were facing extermination. 
You see? So they fell on their faces before God. They gave up. They sacrificed eating. They, they sacrificed pleasure. And cried out to God in secret devotion to him. Now, if you'd like to fast, then fast before you and the Lord. But over in the book of Isaiah, and you can, you can read it in chapter 58. Because the people were coming before him and, and they were fasting and doing all kinds of things. And he said, are you, are you really fasting? Really? Are you really sacrificing? He said, no. The thing that I want, I want you to rend your heart. This idea of the rending of the, of the clothes to show grief and, and earnestness. He said, no, rend your heart. Your heart. And stop robbing the poor. Stop stealing from your neighbor. Stop lying. Stop committing adultery. And worship God in truth. <coughs> Excuse me. So what is Jesus teaching in this portion of the sermon? The blessedness of a private relationship with God. Let me have just a little drink. A drink of water. <laughs> the blessedness, the wonderful privilege that we have being the children of God. The importance of a private relationship with God. If you're not spending time alone with God, then your relationship with him is suffering. The privilege and the power of private communion with God. You say, why is it when so-and-so prays? Well, those, those things, they, they actually happen. But when I pray, it seems like they just kind of go up to the ceiling and come back down. Spending time alone in private communion with God. The proper posture, that is the heart attitude, both when serving and communicating with God. Realizing that He is God and we are His creation. Submitting to His will, not ours. And not demanding. And notice Jesus promises God's blessing. So what is it that you pray for? James, over in the book of James, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, he says, You have not because you ask not, and then when you ask, you ask with wrong motives. What is it that you need? What do you really need from God? 
Jesus said, ask in his name. Now to ask in his name is to ask in accordance with his will. Because if you ask in accordance with his will, God will bless you with it. However, that answer and that blessing comes in God's timing. God's timing. And you know, I remember when I was a, a little boy and I was hungry and my mother was cooking and boy, I could smell that food cooking. And oh my goodness, I, I, could, I couldn't wait. You know. And I'd be running into the kitchen. Mom, when is it going to be ready? Because you have to wait, Mom. You have to wait. I still do that with Charlotte. She'll say, it's not ready yet. <laughs> I'll, come, I'll come home from Lowe's or something. You know, I, I can smell the food you know, through the front door. I'm thinking, oh, man. <laughs> we become impatient, do we not? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Whatever it is that you need, God is able to deliver what do you need? God is able to deliver. Let's stand please and sing. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.